Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the MJ Cast. I'm Jamin Bull. I'm here with my co-host Q and a special guest that I'll reveal in just a second. Today's record date is Saturday the 26th of May 2018. We've got a bunch of news to cover today, including Michael Jackson news, Janet Jackson news and all kinds of stuff going on with the Jacksons, uh, including a new uh, documentary that we're going to discuss from ABC. And then our main discussion topic is a awesome chat and Catch up with MJ Megafan and YouTube sensation, JD. Enjoy episode 80 of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. I love you! <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Uh, Toto, I don't, I don't think this is YouTube anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's nicely that. played. That was good. Nicely played. <laughs> oh well, man, welcome to the show. We we are so excited to have you here. Q and I have been big fans of your channel, History in the Mix, for a long time. And uh, we're, we're, we've been planning actually for a while to, to get you on the show. We've been talking about it for about a year. Um, <laughs> but luckily, we've had a spot open up at the moment. So, yeah, welcome. Sooner than we expected, yeah. Yeah, this is. I'm excited to be here. Usually, I'd be listening, but now I'm on it. And this is a good kind of weird. <laughs> a good kind of weird. <laughs> Please apply your 3D glasses. You're in the show. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Brace yourself, as Michael Brace yourself. And no script. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's like Saturday Night Live. I'll get, I'll get through it. We're just going to hang out and go through a whole bunch of cool stories and videos that we're going to talk about and um, some gossip and news. And then we're going to talk about you, man. Oh, whoa. Yeah. We're going to get your fan story. It's going to be Ooh, really cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and JD, you just dropped a video recently, I think, didn't you? Yes, I think it was on Monday. I covered Michael Jackson's uh, Pepsi incident since Michael's on covering Pepsi. Yeah, that's right. He's on a bunch of cans at the moment. Have you got one of the cans? Yes, a lot. They're taking up (laughs) a lot of space right now. (laughs) We never seem to get that stuff in Australia. Whenever there's big Pepsi promotions with Michael or Britney or whoever, the cans seem to be all over the US. You go into an Australian store and there's just normal Pepsi cans. There's never, never the promo stuff for some reason. I heard someone well, say that they're extending it to other places. So they are, know. yeah. There's like a vote somewhere that you can sort of vote on other countries, but we will see. Hmm. Interesting. You've got some um, follow-up stuff, haven't you, Jamin? Yeah, yeah. We uh, did an episode recently, uh, Brian Loren special interview came out couple of weeks ago and it's uh, been kicking up a little bit of a storm around the place in the mj world so kicking up some <laughs> dust kicking up some dust <laughs> uh but no it was a lot of fun I, I enjoyed that show it's been received pretty much like i thought it would be people are you know happy with the interview but 
you know, a little bit critical of the way that Brian was interacting. And I certainly, there seems to be a lot of commentary around the place saying it was good how I kept my cool and things like that. But in the moment, like some of those answers were getting my back up a little bit, but I don't know. I guess I just thought I'd say it, there's no real point in getting frustrated in an interview. Like what, what good is that going to accomplish? You know, I think also we were prepared. It was um, not the worst interview sort of environment that we've ever been in we've been in far worse without revealing who we have like three hours of audio of an interview recorded it's like six hours man six hours it's longer it was like two days we have got six hours of audio sitting there from a special that we can never release because it was that bad but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day we'll reveal who that was but um <laughs> maybe but like and don't feel like you're really missing out on amazing super information like from a producer in a studio or anything it's not like that at all no no it's nothing it's no super super essential to Michael's life story and experience sort of <laughs> thing it would have been great if some of the stories were usable and the person was nicer to talk to and not drunk um anyway maybe so- <laughs> not drunk as well um <laughs> uh, yeah so jd did you get a chance to listen to the brian episode yep i loved it you did so good on that one. Oh, thanks man thank you i for one love Superfly sister i know it's not a, a hot one with the michael community but learning more about that was great that was a, an interesting answer, though, he gave when I asked him about Superfly Sister. I, I wanted him to go into a bit more detail about the recording of it, but that that mm-hmm. part of the interview kind of bummed me out when I was like, hey, wh- what did you feel like when you finally got a song on a Michael album? <laughs> and he was like, it's, <laughs> it was disappointing or something like that. <laughs> but, um, anyway, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's actually reached out to us again uh, through email in the last couple of days and has suggested we do another recording. We've never had anyone as a return guest, really, like a special guest. We've never done a part two of any of our interviews. So we're discussing the best way to maybe approach it and if it really needs it. So we'll keep yeah. you posted. So what's um, Tweet Like the MJ Estate? What's that all about? Well, I think um, I think Ooh. that's something that we – yeah, I think JD's <laughs> going to have some cool stuff to say about that. But what happened was, as in their fine form as always, the <laughs> official social media accounts of the Michael Jackson estate put a post out the other day. Baby knows what I'm talking about. And it happened, I think, last weekend when we were recording, Jamin, because it was all happening in the background. They put a post out and that I think the text was something like, it don't matter if you're black or white. But the image that they had attached to their... I guess Facebook, but definitely on Twitter and Instagram, maybe Facebook as well. The image that they used was <laughs> Oh man. Do you wanna do you wanna tell them, JD? Oh god, they're so stupid. Oh, it's Michael cuddling a panda. I assume that's w- what they were going for. I, I, I don't know. That but wasn't even an original is- photo, was it? Oh, so you've seen it, Jamin. I was just about to text it to you, I, but I've you've seen already it, seen it. But it was like on a work day and I couldn't really figure out what was going on. I saw it for like two seconds. But to me, the picture looked like it wasn't actually an original photograph. Oh, it's not in <laughs> any way. 
I'm no, going to no. text it to you now. It was a fan edit of like a cut and paste Photoshop job of Michael's head from um, I think Harrison Funk photo shoot, which they oh. – it's like the photo that Catherine – I think it was that shoot where they – sort of used it on the front of his memorial program and stuff. Is that from the front of Sil Motilla's book, the, that shoot? Yes. Uh, okay, got it. Yeah, and then someone in like a jeans and a blue panda holding sort of protective shirt maybe with a wood background. Oh, my God, it's the most amateur thing. What the hell? It, I've just – yeah, I just texted it to <laughs> exactly. you. I just exactly, exactly. I just saw it. So hang on a sec. What – what are people upset about? Are they upset about that it's a photoshopped version of Michael, it's not a real Michael thing, or are they upset about the fact that the song's about something much deeper and more important than holding a black and white panda, or both? And add to the, and both, and also another example of how bad whoever it is running these social media accounts for the official Michael Jackson state are. Like, is this a 12-year-old girl? that is running their social media accounts. That's the worst get- that's the worst one. I've seen factual errors come out from them, but this Heaps. is the worst post. This is the number one. <laughs> this is the most amateur, I think. I don't know if it's the worst, but I can't there's so many that they've done that are bad that I can't even remember what the worst is, but this is I definitely think the most amateur ever. So then they there was huge backlash and they took it down and they put a proper picture up of still from the video. So I don't know if the girl, the 12 year old or whoever is running this account, no offense to if you're a 12 year old girl, thank you so much for listening. Maybe, (laughs) but maybe, maybe it was just a new fan that is now running the account and have no idea about anything. But my concern is like, okay, one, why did they post this picture? Was it intentional? And then they backtracked and then replaced it with the proper still from the video or two, if it wasn't intentional and it was a mistake, what kind of fan is putting dodgy, stupid photoshops of Michael holding a panda in their <laughs> photo, you know, in their back catalogue of their photo stream so that that's the one that can accidentally click on? This, 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 so, is, the, this is the cherry on the pile of diarrhea <laughs> that is the estate's social media. Pretty much. So in the in the wake of that, social media users, real Michael Jackson fans started the hashtag. Was that the correct hashtag, JD? Tweet like the MJ estate? Yep, yep. Yeah, and they whipped up some incredible posts, some hilarious Photoshop images. And JD, why don't you tell – you did a terrific one and tell us about some of the most memorable ones that people can see if they click on that hashtag on – I know it's on Twitter. Is it on Instagram or anywhere else as well? I haven't seen any on Instagram. Okay, well, tell us about yours and what's across Twitter if they click on this hashtag. I, I don't take credit for it. I didn't come up with it. But uh, mine, uh, I, I'm a fan of many different artists. Uh, but but I found a Photoshop of Michael and Elvis that was just, oh, so, so obviously fake. And uh, I tweeted it out and put in a fake fact about uh, Elvis visiting the set of Beat It in 1983, <laughs> even though he was dead. For uh, ten, almost ten years at that point. Excellent. Yep. <laughs> Hashtag tweet like the MJ State. 
Yeah, there was another hashtag another time, wasn't there? Yeah, there was one like um, MJ Estate Be Like. I think we've seen that yes. before. But like whenever yep. they put weird crap out like this, peop- the fans seem to like rail against them, which is really good. Here's my question to you guys. Do you think they took it down because they realized independently how stupid it was or do you think the backlash actually worked? Backlash for me. I think the back- backlash worked. I... I hope they knew it was fake. I, 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 I'm going to say backlash. I hope. I, I really hope. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they've learned their lesson. They probably haven't. But um, yeah. Yeah. So bad. You know what annoys me about them is like sometimes they, they make, um, re- you know, reasonably good posts, but often the pictures are totally unrelated to what they're saying. They might be like, oh, Michael, um, you know, challenged racism in his they don't care about us video which is awesome and then their picture will be like a still from the ben performance from freaking i don't know yes. 1970 something and it's just yeah. I, do, I hate it how they choose they say something and then choose a totally unrelated image I, I, it annoys me it's just utter incompetence over there yeah, so bad let's so let's bad. not forget michael washing the dishes i mean that's that's a classic one yeah. Remind us. <laughs> remind us of that one. So they cropped a picture of Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney washing oh, dishes. Yes. And it was uh, just Michael. And I think it I, – I don't remember. I think it was uh, tell your kids when they don't want to wash dishes that Michael had to do it too. Yeah, that's right. It was something really stupid like that. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That was so bad. But you know what? The people who engage with their social media aren't much better. Like sometimes they'll put, they'll occasionally put a good post up on Facebook about like, I don't know, something decent, you know? And then like, instead of the fans getting on and discussing and commenting the artistic merits of whatever they're talking about, it'll just be like 200 posts of, oh my God, he's an angel. He's so cute. And oh my it, god, I love his gold pants. Oh, it just <laughs> drives me nuts. And there'll be like all of the posts that are just talking about him being cute will be like 400 likes on them, and they'll be all the ones at the top of the conversation. And it's we need more Michael Jackson fans commenting on these ridiculous posts and pointing out how silly they are. And um, having yeah. actual discussions like us now about the news and actual things that are happening and his legacy and music and creative process and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I got to the top of the Instagram post when they reposted the still, I commented, Hey guys, look, it's not Photoshop this time. And I think that got like 200 likes. I I was at the top of it. I think. Yes. That's awesome. Oh man. Anyway, let's, shall we get into some news or is there any other follow up, Jamin? No, I think that's it. Uh, just, I guess, letting people know that in the next couple of episodes, really, this will be our last regular episode mm-hmm. for a little while. Um, our next two episodes are going to be specials. Uh, we'll be putting yes. an episode out shortly for Vindication Day in mid-June to educate fans again on uh, the Michael Jackson criminal trial that took place in the mid-2000s that he was exonerated uh, from those charges. And then, of course, we'll have an episode um, to honour Michael Jackson on on the anniversary of his passing at the end of June. Uh, then back to regular episodes after that. So dates we're aiming to release are the 13th and the 25th of June. 
That's right. So regular schedule will be thrown out a little bit. It won't be every two weeks, but we'll return to regular programming in July. See you in July. See you in July. <laughs> and if you're subscribed via podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Stitch Radio, TuneIn Radio, Android things like is it Podcast Revolution or something, we really need a list of people. Android tell apps. us what app you're – yeah, tell us an app that you're listening to the podcast on so we can – maybe mention it on the show and then people can try that one out and see if they like it. But if you're subscribed via the podcast apps, then you won't miss anything, even though our schedule is dictated by these important dates coming up. Correct. All right. So news. Um, We have recently seen uh, Michael Jackson's image appear on some Pepsi promotional cans uh, not only Michael Jackson, but also Britney Spears, Ray Charles, Pepsi are doing another promotion with some of their leading artists that they've sponsored over the years. And in addition to those cans, we've also seen a new ad, a TV ad come out featuring Michael Jackson. What do you guys think of him, JD? Uh, I think you've seen some of these cans in the wild. Yeah, yeah. I, I They're okay. I mean, nothing too special, nothing to freak out over, but it's still cool to see Michael remembered. Yeah, and you own a bunch, right? Yeah, yeah, I a lot. It's sad. <laughs> so you did the Pepsi challenge, and you're you're a Pepsi guy, not a Coke guy, I'm guessing. Or oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pepsi forever. Back to the future. I I have to drink Pepsi. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that. I know you're a huge fan of uh, the Back to the Future films. Uh, me too. Love them. Got to see uh, Christopher Lloyd and the actor that played Biff. What was his name? Biff Tannen. Yeah. Um, the actor I'm, that uh, played him. I saw Tom, Thomas Wilson. Thomas Tom Wilson. Wilson. I saw them both at a uh, convention in Perth last year. They were very good, especially Mr. Wilson. He was incredible. He was really, really good. So, yeah, that was always something I remember growing up was seeing the um, Michael Jackson performer in the Back to the Future film. That that must be such a great little convergence of awesome things in your life for you oh yeah there's actually quite a few references to michael in those films i think just off the top of my head in in the second one there's the most so there's the e casanova appearance in the cafe 80s the song Mm -hmm. beat it is featured and then when marty mcfly goes to the alternate history he goes back in time to the 80s but it's like an alternate version of the 80s and he he's running through the streets of um i can't remember what the suburb hill hill valley or something he's running through hill valley he jumps through the window in what he thinks is his house but falls into another person's house because it's an alternate reality and when he when he falls into the bed of the this girl's bedroom um there's thriller posters all around the walls i'm pretty sure oh Yeah. yeah I love that bit. And in, in the third one, back in the Wild West, he does a yep. bit of a moonwalk thing when they're like shooting, the cowboys are like shooting at his feet. Yeah. And he's like sort of, that's a cool little bit too. You can anyway. hear him hum Billy Jean while he's doing it. Oh, oh really? Oh, yeah, that's right. I yep. forgot about that. But anyway, the Pepsi can, hashtag Pepsi generations. But there's a bit of controversy about Michael's appearance on this Pepsi product. Really? You guys don't want to mention? Yeah, because fans hate Pepsi because they dumped Michael in 93. Right. So they hold grudges 
pretty bad. I mean, that happens today, though. Like, let's be honest. Somebody gets accused of something. Now they get dumped by their sponsor. So they don't have to be found guilty of something to be dumped. That's happening all the time now with the Me Too movement. And Like, I'm not saying it's right, and I don't think Pepsi did the right thing there, but it's not uncommon. And they used, they've, you know, partnered and done MJ stuff since then, haven't they? Well, they've done a lot of stuff. Bad 25. Yeah, yeah. Bad 25. Did Pepsi not sponsor any of the history tour? Uh, I don't think so. Not in the footage that I've seen. Um, that yeah, doesn't I don't seem recall to be, anything. Yeah, there doesn't okay, seem to be okay. Pepsi logos and stuff everywhere in the stadiums of the History World Tour, but certainly in Dangerous, so they were a massive Dangerous part. World Tour, for and sure. Bad. And probably yeah, Victory, s- I'm guessing, because there was heaps of TV yeah, ads Victor. coming out around then. Yeah. So there is that bit of controversy, people holding grudges, and you're entitled to hold grudges. Lord knows I'm a great grudge holder. But I think this is pretty cool. I think it's a great image. The design of it is beautiful. Uh, the footage that they've done in the ad and everything like that, I think this is cool. It's exposing Michael to other fans. I think that's not a negative thing. What I like about the campaign is it's not just Michael. It's Britney, it's Ray Charles. It's a range of these performers that have partnered with Pepsi and Michael's a key one of those people. Well, I'm glad you've got some of the cans, JD. That's cool. Yeah, I got a lot. <laughs> I'm staring at them right now and just wondering what I'm doing. You got a, Have you got a mystery nice. can? I, I do not. Ah, No, me either. I, I wonder how either. much they are. I wonder if you can still buy a mystery can from um, eBay. Oh, I'm sure you can. Hmm. Birthday's hmm. coming up, Q. Just letting you know. June 27th. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pressure is on. No kidding. I just, you right. don't have to do anything. Hi, I'm Latoya Jackson. And being in show business, people are always telling you what to do. The paparazzi. Latoya, look over here. No, Latoya, look over here. Please, over here. Your manager. Latoya, hurry up. Come on, you got five minutes. And oh, I can't forget my friendly, trendy publicist. Latoya, you're a star, darling. You need more eyes. Put on more eyes. Well, the only star around here to put on more ice is my new raspberry, cranberry, passion fruit, and green apple refreshing malt beverage called Star Ice. And from now on, no one's going to tell me what to do. Latoya, we need you now. Coming! But I'm still going to do what I want to do. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Grab a star. All right, moving on. Moving on. Next. So much Latoya news. There's, like, so much Latoya news. So, firstly... Latoya Jackson, we reported that she was participating in the TV series Worst Cooks in America Celebrity Edition. Thank you to all of the people that sent me links to watch it. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll just start the list now. No one. No one sent me a link. So thanks so much, guys. Uh, Anyway, um, thanks to the hubs. He actually did find it on a torrent site. And I got to watch all of it. It was actually the first time the hubs and I watched cooking shows together because I can't stand cooking shows. But Latoya Trumps and I got to watch and it was hilarious. And spoiler alert, skip forward on your podcast app, 30 seconds on YouTube, tap that screen, skip forward, spoiler alert, Latoya won. Latoya mm-hmm. was I guess, I don't know, does that make her the worst cook in America or would the first person (laughs) kicked out of the show? They would technically be, you know, out of this series, the worst cook in America. But anyway, LaToya Jackson won 
the season and it was terrific. Uh, her partner in the finals was actor Ian Ziering from Beverly Hills 90210, the Sharknado movies, probably some <laughs> other stuff that I don't know about. Um, and it was a close call, I have to say, but Latoya was incredible. Uh, she, she was fearless in the kitchen, fearless. There's nothing that she would not like jump into headfirst and do her absolute best at and glamour. My God, not only was she wearing the awesome eighties headband style again, but jewelry and her nails, like, you know, Latoya's nails are always on point literally. And, you know, she was ripping (laughs) skin off fish just like getting in there and ripping skin off whole fish and, you know, mixing meat together and marinating stuff and making pizza cooking. dough and all this she sort of cooking. stuff. Just <laughs> all of the cooking with no cooking gloves and stuff. She was getting in there with her glamour and it was fantastic. And she's so hilarious. And she, she's she got like, you know, a little bit of a shady side. Like she was like, hang on a minute. Is that contestant throwing me some shade? What's going on there? And she's she's hilarious and such good value. And she's out there working for a living, doing her reality TV and things like that. But um, if you if you have seen it, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was very good. So she won $25,000 to go towards uh, MS charity to help um, research and find a cure for multiple sclerosis, which I thought was fantastic. And I'll just keep on rolling with the Latoya news because I don't think you guys have seen the cooking show. No, I haven't. I've tried to, but I, like you, I was not able to really find a link easily in Australia. So I have not seen it, but I look forward to seeing it. It was really good. Latoya also was over in Europe at the Cannes Film Festival for the South Korean film premiere Burning. Obviously, I haven't seen this film or anything, but I just wanted to say how amazing Latoya looks. She's coming up. Her birthday's, I think, in June as well, isn't it? She's the same birthday as Rebe. uh, And I think she's turning 62 this year and looks phenomenal. Like, Latoya is, like, aging so well and just looking better with age. And she looked amazing. And that's all I really wanted to say because I'm going to follow that up with, after all this that I've been saying, obviously Latoya did not have a stroke. There was rumours started by... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was started by the daughter of the daughter of Joe Jackson that he had with the woman he had an affair with. So it wasn't his his daughter, Michael's half-sister, it was her daughter that on Instagram said, pray from Latoya she had a stroke. Not true, because Latoya's out there going to Cannes and, you know, doing everything and on social media, putting out even friends of Latoya put out tweets, um, yeah, Latoya did not have a stroke, I just had dinner with her last night. And even Latoya had to put out a statement saying, I am fine, I did not have a stroke. So don't believe everything you see on the internet wait until there is confirmation because you spreading rumors does not help and it just makes you look like an idiot just because you read it in the magazines or see it on a tv screen doesn't make it factual that's right see that's exactly right michael taught us don't believe everything so sometimes if you're looking at the mj cast and you you know social medias and you you see us not sharing news on something that looks like big news it's because we're waiting for a Jackson family member to confirm 
or deny that something may or may not have happened. But I don't really blame the press this time, though, for this one. I mean, like, they they report anything on the drop of a dime, and most of the time it's silly and they shouldn't. But this time, like, a, an actual Jackson family member said that another family member had a stroke. I mean, like, that's pretty... I don't blame them for reporting on that. But, I um, do. Why? I think they should be able to... Because they should be able to fact check. And also, like you know, a cousin of a relative of a, you know, someone you saw at the shop once isn't a necessarily a good news source. Mm, I would say that, I, I mean, obviously she's not a good news source in hindsight because she got proven wrong, but I think just, you know, because she's Latoya's great niece or something like that, I, I wouldn't discount it. I, I didn't discount it when I heard that. I thought it was legit. I really did think it was legit when I heard it. But um, yeah, I'm glad we didn't report on it. Yeah, me too. Uh, And the last piece of fabulous LaToya Jackson news, LaToya and an artist called B. Howard feature together in a finally released track called Let Me Know, Dimelo. And I think this song may have been made a few years ago, but it's just finally been put out by B. Howard. I like the song. It's the current summer sound. It's got a Spanish vibe to it, and I like it. It's sort of my kind of now music. Uh, Jamin, I don't think you're a fan. I, I listened to it this morning, and it was okay. Like, I, I, it totally, yeah, it didn't blow my mind or anything like that. It, it was all right. It, I just felt like it was a little bit sort of phoned in, and yeah, it wasn't amazing to me, but listenable. She's not Mariah Carey or like you know Whitney Houston. No one's saying that. Oh no, that. it wasn't Latoya's voice. I thought that was great. It wasn't. It wasn't Latoya's part in it. It was just the the style of the music, and it sounded oh. quite generic to me. JD thoughts on Dimelo. I thought it was okay. I I love B Howard in uh, Tale of Two Quarries when he played Michael. So, I nothing I'd listen to on the daily, but it, it was okay. All right now. Jamin doesn't really know much about B. Howard. You know more than me. I sort of ignore it because I don't need that sort of stuff in my life. But maybe just give a, a quick little summary of who B. Howard is and why Michael fans may have heard of him. So uh, a while back, I think it was around um, when Michael passed away, they they were reporting that he was the son. I think TMZ was the first one to, to come out. And he made a YouTube channel. And uh, would talk about it and how, uh, would kind of document the process of getting DNA tests and stuff done. And nothing really came of it. He never really said if he was or he wasn't. I, I mean, that's some people think he is. I made a video on it and I got a lot of comments uh, defending him. I said he wasn't, but there, there was a lot of uh, people that are in support of him. So if he's Michael's son with Billie Jean, I, I don't know. Hmm. Just absurd. Why is it that when people go, oh, I'm Michael's secret son, I'm Michael's spiritual twin daughter or twin sister through the Egyptian god of whatever, why is it that (laughs) – no, I'm not even kidding. That's a thing out there. Why is it that when they do all their comparisons of how they look, it's Michael post-plastic surgery? Exactly. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point. I, I just think these people, the people who support these rumors and are fascinated by them and obsess over them and share them, I just think they're insanely bored people. 
That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of these people just don't have something that, you know, occupies their time constructively and they're just sharing this rubbish. That's my opinion. I just, like, are people not educated at all? Like, just, oh, my God. Some of the things that Michael fans believe, I'm like, are you kidding? Do you mm-hmm. want to think about this for at least five minutes and see how it just is, does not make any sense and is stupid? I mean, the king of all of those ridiculous rumors is obviously the, the he's still alive garbage rumors. Oh, um, and God. he, the, the, the leader of that insanely stupid community, Pearl Jr., She's oh my been, God. she's been being, she's, she's been called out massively in the past couple of weeks by, um, Brenda Ritchie. And so it seems oh, to me good. like, yeah, this, this whole, I never saw that. It was really good to see her doing that because Pearl Jr.'s now got a fairly poor reputation with people who knew Michael. So I'm, I'm glad to see people, you know, important Jackson family friends are starting to speak up about it as well. I had to block her from the channel. I looked one day and there were like 4,000 comments that were like, oh, Michael is alive. Click this link. Watch my video. It was, it's I think stupid. we probably had to do the same, actually. She was, I think, doing that to us as well. Yeah. I mean, she she's very um, smart in the way she does this. She, she targets fans who aren't willing to educate themselves or aren't already very educated on Michael Jackson. And um, she preys on people's boredom, I think, in a way, and their their willingness to give money over. And and really, all of this is for money. It really is. I mean, it's not... Pearl Jr. is... If I had to guess, I would say she's probably not that mentally deranged. I would say she's just somebody who's seen an opportunity to convince people who aren't educated that Michael's alive and to appeal to their... Um, lack of sensibility around that. And she's wanting money. She's selling these DVDs all the time online and, and videos. So uh, just ignore it, I guess, and or call her out if you want publicly so people are aware of what's going on. Uh, I'm glad that Jackson Family Friends are doing the same thing. We've had um, – well, she's offered to come on the show. She's actually reached out to us and said, can I please come on the MJ cast? And the only oh, wow. reason – the only reason I've ever sort of entertained it a little bit would be to like – if we could get her on and like challenge her on her beliefs and just rip, just rip him apart with facts. But even that, you know, would be giving her a platform to some degree, I think. Yeah. You know, what's confusing about Pearl Jr. is, and one of the things, one of the reasons I think she's sort of popular in, in this circle of, of people is that prior to her coming out and saying Michael was alive, she did some good stuff. She actually did some good interviews with people around the trial and she she was close with a lot of the Jackson family members and then one day it was like a flick sort of switched and she just turned into this conspiracy theorist and yeah, anyway. We're now going to cross to our legal correspondent, Charlie Thompson, who's going to give us an important update on the Casio case. New court documents have revealed fresh details of the ongoing legal battle over the authenticity of three songs released after Michael Jackson's death. Fan Vera Sarova has filed a class action lawsuit alleging that three songs included on 2010's Michael, the first posthumous collection of unreleased songs by Jackson's estate and Sony Music, were recorded by an imposter vocalist. The songs, Breaking News, Monster and Keep Your Head Up, were sold to Sony and the estate by producers Eddie Cassio and James Port via their label, Angelics and Productions. 
they've become known as the Casio tracks. Ms. Sarova filed her lawsuit in 2015 after hiring a forensic audiologist to analyze the tracks. The tests found that there was a strong likelihood that the songs were not performed by Michael Jackson. Hence, Ms. Sarova is suing Casio Port and Angelixon, plus Sony Music, MJJ Productions, and Jackson Estate Executor John Branker. Since the lawsuit was filed four years ago, the defendants have filed a number of stalling motions to prevent the case from going to trial. They've argued that Mr. Rover's case is what's known as a slap case, a strategic lawsuit against public participation. In short, this means that whilst Mr. Rover alleges that their statements claiming the songs were sung by Jackson are commercial and therefore are actionable because they were misleading, the defendants claim that their statements were not commercial and were in fact legitimate comments on a public interest issue, meaning they're protected under the First Amendment right to freedom of speech. In 2016, a judge ruled that the three Angelics and defendants had not made any comments amounting to commercial speech and dropped the part of Ms. Sarova's case which pursued them for false advertising. However, she was permitted to continue in her case against them for fraud. The judge did, however, rule that the estate has made two public statements which do amount to commercial speech and therefore can be argued to constitute false advertising. The statements appeared on the album's CD cover and in a video advert promoting the album. Initially, all defendants acted in concert, with Sony covering the Angelics and defendants' legal bills. However, since the initial slap ruling, the parties have split. Sony, MJJ Productions, and John Branker have begun actively petitioning the judge to remove them from the lawsuit and allow the case to proceed against the Angelics and defendants, who they say may have sold them fake tracks. The judge has characterized this as Sony, MJJ Productions, and Branker throwing the Angelics and defendants under the bus. Since the split, lawyers for Sony, MJJ Productions, and John Branker have conceded in court repeatedly that the songs could indeed be fraudulent, but state that nobody can know this for sure except Jackson and the Angelics and defendants. They've now filed an appeal against the judge's ruling on the slap case. They argue that even if the songs are fake, their constitutional right to freedom of speech should permit them to say that they're real. These statements, they claim, constitute artistic expression. Court papers reported on in episode 78 of the MJ cast showed the three defendants were arguing that the court's ruling against them threatens to have a chilling effect on artistic industries. Since then, new documents filed by Ms. Sarova's legal team have revealed her responses to the estate's arguments. Her lawyers reiterate that the comments on the CD cover and in the video promoting the album were not specifically intended as contributions to a public interest debate and satisfy all the requirements to be considered commercial speech. Tackling the estate's claim that upholding the slap ruling would chill artistic expression, Ms. Sarova's lawyers wrote, quote, Appellants talk about the danger of courts shaping the creative process, but this case does not concern the creative process of songwriting or song recording. Rather, it's about false advertising of completed songs offered as a product on the product packaging and in a TV commercial. This is the first case in the history of the music industry of a record label being sued for releasing forged songs it obtained from a third party, and likely will be the last one. Indeed, a quick survey of Sony Music's releases shows no chilling effect. Since the filing of this lawsuit in June 2014, Sony-owned record labels released posthumous compilations of various artists including Whitney Houston, Elvis Presley, David Bowie, Michael Jackson, and George Michael. If anything may be deterred by this lawsuit, it's commercial attribution of dubious material to popular artists. Importantly, a publisher can release even such dubious material without fear of liability if it fairly discloses the doubt about the artist's identity. 
This duty to disclose does not burden the expressive material itself. Michael's title and cover image were not selected by Jackson, who was then already dead, or the real singer of the Casio tracks, with whom the appellants did not collaborate. The title and cover image were chosen by the appellants, Jackson's estate executor, record company, and label, who packaged the album for sale. Their choice was dictated by the need to make the album appealing to the consuming audience of Jackson fans, and had nothing to do with the recording artist's expression. In their appeal, Sony MJJ Productions and John Branker claimed that no reasonable consumer could be misled because none of the contested statements said or implied that Jackson performed the lead vocals on the Casio tracks. This is simply not true, Mr. Rover's lawyers say in the document. The back of the CD clearly states that the album contained nine previously unreleased vocal tracks. The tenth track, The Way You Love Me, was not unreleased as it had been issued on 2004's Ultima Collection. The appeal on behalf of Sony, MJJ Productions and John Branca further argues that even if the tracks are indeed fake, releasing them was no different to releasing albums with credited guest artists. Mr. Rover's lawyers respond, quote, This case is not about a guest vocalist, but an undisclosed impersonator. As evidenced by the infamous fraud of Millie Vanilli, releasing songs performed by an impersonator drastically departs from consumers' reasonable expectations. Moreover, Michael's legitimate guest vocalists, Akon, 50 Cent, and Lenny Kravitz, are disclosed on the album's back cover, and nothing on the cover suggests that this disclosure is incomplete. Sony, MJJ Productions, and John Brank had claimed that Mr. Rover should be permitted to pursue the Angelics and defendants for fraud, and that this would provide sufficient remedy. Quite the opposite, argue Mr. Rover's lawyers, it would actually provide inadequate remedy, because ongoing distribution of the tracks is wholly controlled by the estate and Sony, meaning only pursuing the Angelics and defendants will not prevent future deceptive sales. The document states, quote, Appellants have seen evidence of forgery, received many complaints about the inauthenticity of the Casio tracks from the Jackson family and fans, and conceded in court that the songs may indeed be forged, yet they have not modified the labeling of the product, started a corrective advertising campaign, or otherwise disclosed to consumers that the Casio tracks may be inauthentic. To this day, they continue advertising the Casio tracks as Michael Jackson's songs. Appellant's conduct up to this point provides no reason to believe that anything short of a court order will stop them selling the Casio tracks deceptively. Lawyers for Sony, MJJ Productions and John Branker have filed a rebuttal to Mr. Rover's documents, insisting that they release the tracks innocently and without malice. There is a mens rea requirement, they say, meaning that they must be proven to have had foreknowledge that the songs were fake in order to be held liable. Their brief opens, quote, For the purposes of this appeal, appellants accept that Jackson did not sing all of the lead vocals on the Casio tracks, but also for the purposes of this appeal, based on their own express pleading admissions, respondent must accept that the appellants did not know that someone else was the singer. They claim they conducted a reasonable investigation before concluding that Michael Jackson was the vocalist. They say that according to Sarova's own case, Cassio, Port and Angelicson had exclusive knowledge that the songs were performed by an imposter and failed to disclose this to Sony, MJJ Productions or the estate. Their brief states, quote, Now Sarova simply wants to second-guess the appellant's conclusions and have a battle of the experts decide what only the Angelics and defendants and the deceased Michael Jackson could know for sure. 
The defendants claim Jackson's fame alone makes any new album released by him a matter of public interest, meaning statements on the album cover and in TV adverts for the album are not commercial, but protected contributions to a public interest debate. They also claim the statements are not misleading, saying, quote, Sarova alleges only that Jackson did not sing the lead vocals on three out of the album's ten tracks. Even if this were true, the album cover and announcement video would not mislead a reasonable consumer to think that Jackson sang every note on all ten tracks, or that the album may not be fairly called a Michael Jackson album. A judge is set to consider the documents and then hear oral arguments from both sides before making a fresh ruling on whether the case against Sony, MJJ Productions and John Branca for false advertising can continue. Thank you, Charlie. That was fantastic. We really appreciate you keeping Michael Jackson fans all around the world up to date with what's going on in the most important court case right now in the MJ world, the Casio case. More news to come.
Hi, this is Brian Loren, songwriter producer for Michael Jackson, and you're listening to Jamin and Q on the MJ cast. So, um, what else has gone on in the news? We've had a article come out that created some fairly heavy controversy 
um, a, a couple of weeks ago. It was um, an article written by Tanahisi Coates. Uh, he published an essay in The Atlantic comparing Michael Jackson to Kanye West. Uh, and that article was responded to by another article that Joe Vogel wrote, um, who's also been on our show. And it caused some fairly big waves. Coates is a well-respected writer uh, on on pop culture and music and, and lots of different things. And I read his article and, and I feel like it was reasonably well-written. It definitely painted a a vivid picture of what it, what some people's view of Michael Jackson was or, or has been in the past and, um, you know, Michael's evolution as an artist, I guess. But to me, um, it, it, there were parts of it that were really quite offensive as a Michael Jackson fan to read. The whole point of the article, if you guys haven't read it, although I'm sure you have, is that he, he's basically saying that, that Kanye West is following the blueprint that Michael Jackson laid out as a black man wanting to become as white as possible. And I don't mean white in the sense of physically white, even though Michael Jackson did become lighter in his complexion over time. He's talking about them wanting to sell out and to appeal to as many white people as possible to sell their product. And I found it to be quite disrespectful and quite dismissive of Michael's actual history as a black man with vitiligo. And I just don't think personally you can compare these two people. Like Kanye West, for example, is... is uh, He actually says in the article that Kanye West is a god in his time, like Michael Jackson was a god in his time. And, yeah, no, um, don't agree with that at all. I think Kanye West is a joke in his time. And I don't think you can compare somebody who's willing to come out and support Donald Trump very, very publicly to Michael Jackson and what he had to deal with. Have you guys read this article? I've seen bits and pieces. I haven't really read. I just couldn't get through it. I know your feeling. I struggled, man. I struggled to get through the thing. Holy heck. It went forever. It was like the longest. I was like, am I reading an encyclopedia? When is the end of article? My God. It, to me, I, I, and I hear a lot, uh, from, other journalists that this writer is actually a very good writer and I can, his writing is good, but this article in particular, to me, it was just very self-serving and very off the mark. Like he was trying to make a point, but his basis for making the point was completely inaccurate and nil research like at all. And like, just did not acknowledge any of the political points and black pride that Michael obviously had, and not only put in his music, but also demonstrated in other ways. It was just like, are you kidding? You did no research on any of this. You you're trying to make a point, but you are not even standing on solid ground, and you were just clutching at whatever preconceived notions and opinions you have of Michael Jackson that maybe came from your mum because <laughs> it was it was offensive like like vitiligo is not a thing that can be ignored and there's a follow-up article that we're going to discuss but this particular one oh, and I can't even name a single Kanye song 
like I know I've seen some stuff that he's done that had like the Michael Jackson parade float in the music video. And that was impressive, but there's not Michael, like, you know, the level of Michael Jackson exposure and success, Mm -hmm. you can't compare Kanye at all. And it's just stupid. So if you want to make a point about Kanye selling out, you know, his black identity to support a racist president, then do that. But Michael has nothing to do with that at all. Like there was no need for him to even talk about Michael Jackson in this article because it was not related to Kanye and Trump in the slightest. It was offensive. Some some fans kind of say that there is a correlation in that Michael did do some things in his life that do raise questions in people's mind about you know him him wanting to appeal to a wide audience. Say for example, before his skin did become much lighter, you know, there's application of very very heavy light makeup in the Bad album cover, for example, and and then other questions around like you know his children's lineage and bleaching their hair blonde when they're born and those kind of things. Like I've seen fans say those things, but even if they're true, let's just assume they're true, worst case scenario, then that's still not an equal comparison because Michael didn't sell out in his political views at any point during his career. Like his political views were always very, very pro-black. He was always supportive of his people and, and, they deal with whereas this is a totally different level kanye has literally you know he has sidelined the views of his people to support donald trump that's an obvious clear thing that's happened so to me it's not even an equal comparison at all it's not it's not even comparing the same thing unrelated jd i really liked your point about why you were not doing a beyonce is better than michael jackson sort of video debate i thought that was a really great point that i completely echo I like my videos to be educated, and the only Beyonce song I can name is Single Ladies, and I just, I, I, I'm not educated enough to discuss that, that topic. It's, it's bias, and it's, it would be something that I'd want to do. Good point. Same here. That's why we never addressed it, it's <laughs> not worth addressing. They're just silly. I mean, Michael never, um, in his career... I guess he, how do I put this? He honored artists that came before him. He honored James Brown and Sammy Davis Jr. And Fred Astaire and all of these incredible artists that he drew from in his own career. He was never in the business of cutting artists down or comparing artists against each other to say one's better than the other. So why should we like, what's the point of that? Beyonce and Michael Jackson are two different artists with different styles and they're both great artists. What value or good can come out from that? I don't know. A lot of Twitter drama. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. (laughs) Okay. So Joe Vogel, he, he wrote an article in response to um, Tanahisi coach's article. Did you guys have a chance to read the response? I saw a bit of it. It was good. Try and read yeah, it, like JD. It. It's it's a lot easier than the other article to read, that's for sure. It's an easy read. He gets to the point and Vogel makes makes good points and counters this very well. It was a really good article and a great reply, I think. So yeah, thank you for getting that out there, Jamin. 
No worries. Links to both of these are going to be in the show notes, which you will find on the website, themjcast.com, or in your podcast application. For sure. All right. And um, moving on, Janet Jackson, Empress of Pop, is back and doing her thing in 2018. She performed at the Billboard Music Awards and also received the Icon Award. What a great appearance. Yes. Oh, wow. Uh she performed uh, "Nasty" open the medley, right? Yeah. Yes. The, yeah. That that was amazing. That's one of my favorite Janet songs, and it, she just looks so good. It, it there's been no aging at all. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and it was a good little medley. I thought it was cool. It like um, built in like a lot of different songs from her career in interesting ways, classics and really new ones too from Unbreakable. So yeah, I really loved that that. Um, mashup there's like a big giant mashup of songs which was cool i think the performance was really good um dancing was great just a little bit too much lip syncing again gotta say but there were live vocals in there mixed in too which was cool for me the the speech was the absolute highlight of the whole of the whole thing i loved it how she very publicly used that platform to add her voice to this movement we're seeing in which powerful men and women are demanding equality and um, a non-discriminatory society. So that was really good to see her do that. And I, I thought it was great. Rebe was in the audience. I was so, I just was filled with pride when I could see Catherine in the audience looking on at her daughter, just ripping up that stage and, and, and making that great speech. There was also Austin. Cool. Rebe's, Rebe's, that's Rebe's son, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Austin was there and also Prince. Michael Jackson was there as well, from what I heard. Paris was not, and everyone gave her a hassle for that. She never got an invitation to, to be there, so she wasn't there. It's not a big thing. She didn't really know it was happening, so she's working hard and busy, didn't know it was on, didn't get any tickets or whatever. The management never got her tickets, so it's not a big deal that she wasn't there. And uh, she completely supports her Auntie Janet and family and was so proud that she posted about that on social media. I don't remember hearing any of her new music in the medley, actually. So I'll have to go and back and listen to it again. I didn't really hear any new stuff. It was from what I heard, nasty, if, and throb that was used to make the medley. There was that uh, Missy Elliott song in there, Burn It Up. Oh, okay. Not much, though. No, no, it wasn't much. It was just little bits and pieces of her new stuff mixed in, maybe like a beat from one song or... It was really oh, okay. subtly but, done. Yeah, but it wasn't front and center. Yeah. No, okay. So I'd be just saying it was mainly retro smedley with yeah. new effects. I love Bruno's introduction. I thought yeah. Bruno Mars, it, that was amazing. I, I, I just, I loved it. I wish I could have seen it live. Yeah, it had a great vibe to it. On Twitter, I know especially there was a lot of people capturing videos of it in the audience and doing a really much better job than the actual telecast people who are editing their footage together. They were missing like really great dance parts and keep cutting to the audience a lot. And I was, so go and have a look on Twitter, follow some of the big Janet accounts and Janet fans, and you'll see them sharing a lot of the really cool videos that people were recording from up on the balcony or like straight on, Actress Rebel Wilson was even like in the front row, I think, 
and she was sharing some live video of Janet performing. It was really cool. I reckon that's totally what we would have got with This Is It. If This Is It had have happened, that's like iPhone era. Everybody w- would have been there filming the show from different angles. We would be seeing some incredible fan mashups of different stuff. That is true. Oregon guitarist on the Michael Jackson This Is It tour, and you're listening to the MJ cast. All right, so let's um, move on to the main news item, I guess, from the last couple of weeks. There was a documentary um, that aired uh, just really within the last 24 hours in the US, an ABC documentary called The Last Days of Michael Jackson. Uh, it was not endorsed by his family whatsoever, and it wasn't endorsed by the estate executors either. Interestingly, they came out just a couple of days before the documentary aired and, and challenged 
the documentary, releasing a statement um, saying that they didn't support it at all and it was an infringement of copyright, etc. And it still went ahead and it still aired. And I have seen half of it, so I'm not going to comment too much on, on the controversial parts because I haven't really seen them. But uh, you know what? It's, uh, it included a lot of Michael Jackson music, from what I could see. Uh, a lot of people are saying that it... I don't, I've seen people on Twitter saying it didn't have MJ music in it. That's not true. There was actually heaps. And uh, it included a lot of footage of... Um, the, the, most of the bulk of the footage in this, in this documentary comes from the documentaries that Spike Lee did for ABC, Bad 25 and uh, Michael Jackson's Journey from Motown to Off the Wall. A lot of this, the, the footage in those were uh, included in this as well, including some – and then some other um, footage as well that was filmed from ABC throughout Michael's career, like different interviews. There's one with Diane Sawyer. What I've seen so far, and I've only seen half of it, but what I have seen has not disgusted me in the level that I'm seeing other fans talk about on Twitter. And I'm probably off the mark because I haven't seen the rest. Yes, Diane Diamond's in it and she's annoying and a horrible person. But in the first half of it, at least, she's not saying anything outlandish. The the beginning is not bad at all. It does a great job of describing the Jackson 5. And, and it's all really good. There's a great unreleased footage. It, it's really when they get to the allegations is where it really goes off the rails. There are some... Re- I have my notes here from the review I was going to make. They uh, there's there's very unprofessional comments that they that they make throughout, calling them weird. And uh, somebody even said once they started talking about this is it that Michael was in perfect health uh, right before the show was about to start. It, it, it was very uneducated. The only good part about it was the new footage. There was quite a bit from the Destiny tour. We got to see some of Michael's White House with Ronald Reagan. And uh, James Brown and Michael in more new footage from the Grammy Awards. Yeah, I noticed quite a bit of that in the first half of, as well. The The Diane Sawyer interview is really the reason to watch this. It is interspersed throughout it. And there's um, it, it's a much more extensive interview than what fans previously thought. Because we'd only ever seen that snippet of him beatboxing from it, really, when the History album was coming out. But there's a lot more in that interview to see. What did you think about how rushed it was, JD? Did you did you think it was like they were dealing with these time periods really a bit fast? Or I love film, and I thought it was edited and it flowed really good. I I I, li- I like that. I I thought the pace was really good. You know, they had a two hour time slot, and they did the best they could. It's just some comments that they made that really made me not enjoy it as much. Hmm. Okay. Did it feature any interviews with his family members? Tito is in there. I think he says like one thing about the Pepsi commercial and then he's never seen again. Okay. And was that from like the Spike Lee documentary or just a previous ABC interview, do you think? Uh, it looked new. I, I, I don't know, but it was not from uh, Journey to Off the Wall or uh, or Bad 25. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I saw that they featured a lot of people like even Karen Fay. Jay Randy Tarabilli was featured, and these are, I think, a lot of them maybe were from previous interviews, perhaps, and they didn't really know that they were going to be featured in this. But that's ABC's right to do that. Yeah, some of the feedback on Twitter, you know, Diane Diamond, like, seriously, what the fuck? You know, I think Aphrodite Jones in our next episode's got some stuff to say about Diane Diamond, and if we had more time with her, it'd probably be some more said. Like the fact that. 
she's on there just discredits it hugely. I don't understand the title of the documentary, though. It's called The Last Days of Michael Jackson. From what I've seen on YouTube, which is only the first bit so far that I've skipped through very quickly over breakfast before recording this morning, there was only a tiny little bit about his last day, and it was not very accurate even in that little tiny bit. If it's the last days, why is this a complete career retrospective? That title just does not make sense to me. One thing that I found off is that they'd be talking about Thriller, and then right before they cut the commercial break, they bring up the death day again. It, it was unorganized in, in that aspect. There was nothing really new that we didn't already know. Uh, I, I think they could have went more in depth with Conrad Murray and that stuff. I, I don't think they handled the passing very well at all. They had interviews from paparazzi from outside the oh. when the uh, ambulance was coming out with Michael's body. And they talked to one guy that actually jumped on the ambulance and got a picture through the windows. And he doesn't show any remorse. He's proud he did it and tells us how much he sold the picture for. That's insanity. That's disgusting. Yeah, that sort of shows the level of this documentary. Six figures, he he said. That's all he'd tell us. (laughs) Crazy. I think the Diane Sawyer interview footage is... The, and maybe some of the like Studio 54 and, and the early Jackson's tours footage is the only decent thing to come out of this and the rest of it is trash and poorly made and had an agenda. I think needs to be said there was an agenda going into this. Like, you know, they were throwing doubts on Michael being a father. They glossed over his health issues that were contributing factors. They demonize him in multiple subtle ways that I think we should have come to expect really. But here it is again. It got really good ratings. I think it did. I've read a report that it was like one of the highest um, rated things on television for that particular time slot on that night. I'd be interested to see if they, if anyone can compare the ratings of this to say like a Spike Lee documentary that was aired on ABC, an actual legitimate artistic documentary. I'd be very interested to know which got higher ratings. Another cool thing that's happened in the past 24 hours is we have heard previously unreleased vocal ad-libs come out on a new song by Michael Jackson collaborator Lenny Kravitz. He's got a new duet out at the moment called Low. Uh, I don't know if it's on a new album, but yeah, there's a there's a song out there with some new MJ vocals, kind of. You guys heard it? I loved it. I thought it was really good. Did you hear Michael in it? Yeah, but it sounds like the same woo from uh, I Can't Make It Another Day from the Michael album. And it, there's like vocal effects. I... I think it's the same woo. I, I think he's in it like three times, but it's the same yeah. ad lib, but toned down and toned up to make it sound different. Nothing, I didn't listen. It's not something to listen to for Michael. I, I thought it was a good song by itself. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It was a good song. I like it. No, it, it's a good song, but for Michael's background vocals credit, it's him like, whoo, like three or four times and possibly a little invincibly sort of sounding grunt sound near the end, like in this maybe two thirds in. 
there was like, oh, that could have been something. But yeah, it's it's it is outtake vocals from that song that you mentioned, JD, like another day, that was brutally butchered when they put it on the posthumous album. Oh, the leak that, oh my god, the leak that came out years ago was much better sounding than what they did to it. What Lanny did to it. He was the one that produced it. God damn it. But like, this isn't a big thing. Like it's literally just who posted into the song. I think it's a good song. I, what confuses me is like why he even felt the need to put Michael's voice in there because when somebody listens to it, because Michael's not singing in it, it's just like a couple of ad-libs here and there. I don't think it's going to be clear to any regular music listener that that's even really Michael because it's <laughs> like just a couple of things. Like we know as fans, but I don't think, you know, the way that Lenny is singing in it, like I don't think anyone's really going to know that that's, you know, Michael specifically. So I don't get the point of even doing it. Does Lenny do that sound in his songs? I don't know, but like to a casual 13-year-old music fan, I don't think they're going to go, oh, wow, that was Michael just then. I think they would know. I think that's such an iconic thing that no one else is doing that in their music. I think they would know. I think they'd be able to tell personally. Okay. Well, I'll play it to a classroom of 13-year-olds next week and I'll uh, I'll let you know if they say it's Michael. <laughs> but um, but um, I thought it fits. Like I know that you were a bit like, oh, it doesn't fit. Uh, to me, they fit the song quite well. They fit the song, but why do it? Like, the song is really, really, really good on its own. I love it. I think it's really, like, it's a cool... It's got, like, elements of Marvin Gaye and Niall Rogers. It's um, got some great horns in it. It's really funky and got some disco vibes. I think it's a great Lenny Kravitz song. I don't think it needed, mm. like, a second of Michael Jackson ad-lib in it. I, I, It kind of feels to me like, I'm going to put this ad-lib in so all the Michael fans buy it. Is that going to work for you, J.D.? I sadly, <laughs> you buy I, everything, man. Yeah, uh, I I thought I when I listened to it for the first time, I thought it was a perfect baby between off the wall and invincible. Just lyric wise, composition wise, I it's a I can feel Michael's inspiration in there. Yeah, that's a cool way to look at it. I, I would like to be proven wrong. I, I'm i interested to know, like, was this a song they, like, had ideas for or something, like, years ago, and maybe they kicked around an instrumental for it or something, and then Lenny's come along and made it complete? I, I don't know. I don't know the history of this track. No. Just know going in, this is a Lenny Kravitz song that we're discussing. It's not a Michael Jackson duet be cool if somebody could do a vocal comparison between a ad lib on um, another day because you can do spectral analysis on these songs and uh, on the, that particular ad lib if it's got the same sort of waveform just been you know shifted up to be a higher pitch or whatever. I would like yeah. to know if it actually is the same ad lib that he's used. We will see. We're gonna cross over now to our Jackson family correspondent. Yannicka from Jackson Source is going to give us some more Jackson's news and maybe discuss a bit more of the Janet news that we already talked about. 
Hello, this is Janneke, aka Jackson Source, and I wanted to talk to you guys about Jackie's new label. It's called Critically Amused. It's a record label, and he has two artists to launch. And they are DBL, which is short for Donnie B. Lord, who is a Caribbean artist. He was, he's been around with Jackie for, for ages, as long as I can remember. But he's now dropped a single called uh, Another Round, and there's a full music video for it. I hope for Jackie and for DBL that things will be doing great. There's also a DJ duo called Gold Lemonade, uh, and they just have two full music videos and singles dropped as well, called Paradise and Cake Up. If I'm if I'm correct, but Jackie, um, you may not know, but Jackie also had a label called Jesco Records back in the day in 2002, 2003, uh, with a couple of artists. And back then, Deals was one of them. So that's that's when Deals first came out. It was under his, his father's label called Jesco Records, and now it's critically amused and the label. And I believe that Jackie's wife Emily is also involved in the creative projects and the the business side of things. So that's exciting. So make sure you follow DBL uh, and Critically Amused and Jackie, of course, and Gold Lemonade. And as I said, the Jacksons, the brothers are touring again. And part of the tour is one gig in Detroit on June 16th, uh, which is basically uh, where they are coming from, the city. And they have a lot of roots and history there. Uh, but the city has given them the, key, the, the keys to the city and naming streets after the Jackson 5 or the Jacksons or maybe Michael Jackson. But I think all the brothers are honored in that way. Uh, so there will be a Detroit Music Weekend. They're performing and there's a lot of festivities going on in Detroit and honoring the Jackson family. And obviously there's also in Gary the annual festivities around Michael's birthday that is hosted by Catherine. So if you're from that area or make sure you go and see the brothers and and attend the festivities that is actually honoring them. And then there's, of course, Treaty, who returned to France for uh, almost a week to promote the, their single, current single, Fire. Uh, they released the single uh, as a digipack by Warrior Records. Uh, they've been promoting that and been, been performing that acoustic and otherwise on TV shows and radio. And they did a, did a whole lot of press, actually, in France. Um, uh, to promote the song as the single as well as the album called Chapter 3. Uh, Fire music video is dropping and it's actually produced by Prince Jackson and Taj Jackson. So look out for that because it's another production. And it's obviously cool that there's a physical release and that they're they're promoting it. And it's an, it's nice for the French fans and fans in Europe to see the guys again. Actually, when 3T were in France, uh, Paris was also there in town and t- she and TJ hooked up. Uh, and stroll through town and paparazzi obviously caught pictures of that so look out for them online as well because it's cute to see family members catching up on the other side of of the world that is home to them actually i was or in the united kingdom while treaty were in france to to see tito on the right stuff a tv show he did to promote his album and then i went to oxford and southampton to catch the shows of the brothers it's basically the kickoff of their summer tour so the brothers are touring, so make sure you, you, you go and see the legends on stage if you can, if it's somewhere near. And there we are. That was Jackson Source, our great correspondent, Yannicka. Thank you so much for your amazing experiences and uh, news updates. JD, I wanted to ask, um, season four we're in now of the MJ cast, and you know one of the new things we've sort of done this season is the correspondence. Are you enjoying that new feature very much so yeah 
it's it's fun hearing more more opinions on it, and and they're all very well uh, uh, researched, and it's just awesome to see people that have a certain area uh, contributing to the show. Yay, cool! Because no one's really given us much feedback on it, so I was just curious as you're a listener. So thank you. Maybe it's the sort of thing where like no news is good news. Like if it's not. Because normally when like a format changes in a podcast or a, sh- or a TV show changes, like if it's not what people are used to and like, they'll rage about it. <laughs> but maybe because we're True. not getting any that I don't like that change. Maybe that means it fits. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. That's true. That's the news. And now we're going to have a bit of a chat with JD of history in the mix about things and uh we we also you know q you know we like getting people on the show that are you know prominent people within the michael jackson fan community and jd that is certainly you i mean you are a a big a big michael jackson youtuber and whenever news happens you cover it whenever new releases come out you cover it with really entertaining funny videos um, I know one of your big heroes is Jim Carrey <laughs> from watching your uh, oh, shows. Oh, yes. And uh, I, love, I love the fact that you incorporate so much humor into, into your shows. It really is a breath of fresh air in an otherwise hypercritical fan community. So well done for all your amazing videos. How many videos are you up to now? I, I had a series prior to History in the Mix, but those are all gone. So right now, as it stands, 57 last time I checked. Wow. Whoa. That's awesome. Congrats. Thanks. I got to ask, and this might be jumping a little bit ahead. We've got a few questions for you, but I want to know like why you started. What, what was it about YouTube that attracted you as a platform for getting your views out on Michael? I was doing YouTube uh, before I even uh, listened to Michael. I've, I've been doing it since I, I, I think 2009. And I, I just I love film. That's what I want to do when I get older. I love films, period. And to be able to make my own over somebody who I, I idolize, I, I, it was just a no-brainer. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, JD? Like, where are you speaking to us today from to start? Oklahoma. There's nothing too special down here. But uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm the quiet kid that everybody uh, – I, I usually get questions directed towards me in school. Like if somebody's arguing over a song, they, they'll come to me and ask Michael questions and stuff like that. So you're in school. Are you in like, cause it's different sort of school over there. Is that middle school or are you high school? What, where are you in school? I will, I'm going into 10th grade now, which that's in the high school. I know everywhere else that ninth grade is already in the high school. But, uh, yeah, high school next. I just finished ninth grade. Cool. Congrats. Well done. Thanks. Awesome. That's awesome. That... Is that the age you teach, Jamin? Yeah, yeah. I teach grade 7 all the way up to grade 12. So I teach – actually, at the moment, I teach two grade 9 classes. Um, <laughs> that makes up the bulk of um, – yeah, the classes I teach right now. So, yeah, it's interesting. You're a, <laughs> sorry to any of my students that are listening at the moment, if you're listening. But JD, you're a, <laughs> you certainly seem a lot more uh, mature and well versed than a lot of the Year Nine students that I teach. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. E- even at school, it, I mm, yeah, I like to think I'm I mentally I'm a lot older. Because <laughs> <laughs> is that because you think you like 
a lot of your loves and passions are not all that current. You know, you like um, the Beatles, you like Elvis, you like 80s films. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it is. Uh, I, I just, I've grown up watching shows like Full House and Saved by the Bell. It's just, I, I've learned so much from all of that. And I just, it feels like I should be older. Trust us, one day you will be older. It'll happen. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Very quickly. <Yeah. laughs> um, isn't, it, isn't it funny that you're hanging out with like a high school teacher on your time off on the internet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how did you discover then become a fan of Michael Jackson? My fan story is like kind of like a too good to be true, but, but I promise it's, it's true. I, I remember being in a diner with my family. And I, I had this, I don't know if you guys, a Nintendo DS, it's a little Game Boy type thing. Yeah. And I was pl- I was playing it, and I couldn't hear my my game. So I, I asked my mom, why, why is the TVs and the thing so loud? And she said, uh, somebody died. And I, and I said, who? And, you know, just a singer from the 80s. W- what singer? And it was uh, Michael. And I didn't know who he was at the time. Uh, so on the way back, uh, we listened to Beat It and thriller and all the hits and stuff and, and i like the guy and then like a, a week later my mom surprised me with thriller 25 and even then i knew the remixes were garbage and i listened to thriller all the way through <laughs> over and over again even then you knew about the remixes being crap <laughs> oh fergie <laughs> <laughs> okay so thriller 25 was your first album exposure yes and how did it grow from there? Grow uh, in my family, I was always told uh, to like the music, not the person. So I talking about Michael. So I, for a long time, I was kind of like that. I'd listen to Billie Jean and Thriller and stuff, and I kind of fell out of it over a while. And I, I did videos and stuff about other topics. And then in uh, around seventh grade, uh, the internet was out, so I went on Pandora. And just did something, and Earth Song started playing just randomly, and I, I didn't even know it was Michael. And I listened to that and really liked it. And I looked, and it was and it was Michael. And I was on a Michael station, so then it was followed up with like Dirty Diana and You Rock My World, just a, kind of obscure ones. And I, I've loved them ever since. Awesome. I want to know a little bit about your favorite MJ stuff. Like we got a list here of different things. We usually ask people like, what what is your favorite album? Out of all of Michael's albums, history. Yeah, I, it, it, it reminds me. In a way, it reminds me of a, a Beatles album, and I'm not saying they're better or anything. It just reminds me of that because every song has a meaning behind it, like "Scream" and "Tabloid Junkie." They're all just meaningful songs, and it, it doesn't. For me, with this album, it doesn't really matter if the song's great. It matters the story that Michael's trying to convey out of all the songs. Hmm. Yeah, there's certainly a, a a very clear message in history, um, much more so than like as much as I love his seventies and eighties stuff. Um, it's the nineties where he's becoming very socially conscious and conveying clear messages in his material. That's very true. What about tours? If you could go back in time and be at any Michael Jackson tour, which one would you attend? The Jackson's live album was Triumph tour, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's be, that'd be what I'd pick. 
That is Lo- such a good album. Oh my god. I love that album. Oh man, with all, all my heart. Just the the energy there. The the fact mm-hmm. that I can listen to it thirty years later and like it, it paints a picture of like exactly what's going on. Michael on stage doing the spins and stuff. It just, it's electric. Yeah. Yeah. What about songs? What's his what do you, what's your favorite Michael song? This may be a little biased, but I love Say, Say, Say so much uh, with Paul being in there. Not the girl is mine, but I, I love Say, Say, Say. Uh, We've Had Enough is a great one. You Rock My World. Yeah, that's cool. The Say, Say, Say must be an exciting song for you, really, because it's like, and so are the, uh, the other collaborations, but Say, Say, Say is the only um, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney song that has a video with it. So, oh, my God. So Ooh, that's like man, a it, that- it's like a a, a, cr- a crossroads in your two major fandoms, really. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And then the falling out, you know. But 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 I I don't like. Uh... Yeah. Okay. So, what's your favorite Michael era out of all of the different albums and eras? People that watch the channel know that I say history, but recently it's changed to around the Wiz time. Uh, the okay. Jackson's Ooh. Variety Show, stuff like that. I, I, I'm in love with that. I, uh, going Places, I don't know if that's in that era, but I, I recently listened to that again, and it's just an amazing album. Yeah, I, f- I find um, a lot of fans say that. Like um, fans that have matured in their, their appreciation of Michael, they they sort of at some point get to really appreciating that late 70s era. I think it was because it was so pro- prolific. You you have a lot of Michael solo stuff coming out there, but also a lot of... That's the peak of the Jacksons as well. Yes. And there's a great... What's that Michael album? There's a solo album from the really late 70s that's really underappreciated. It's like his last solo album before Off the Wall. Forever Michael? That's it. That's the one. And there's a song on it called um, We're Almost There, which is... um fantastic really really it's like in my opinion quincy level good but not on off the wall so yeah anyway have you got favorite like just tell us some of your favorite stuff that we haven't asked you about like tell us as a fan i'm, I'm really surprised i think that's so cool that you um sort of now got this new appreciation for that earlier era so but tell us the other stuff that excites you like what do you love about michael jackson like I said earlier, I love and admire film and just the short films, all all of them. I can't name one that I haven't appreciated a, a certain element from, whether it's Rock With You with all the amazing lighting or Don't Stop Till You Get Enough with the effects. It's just the the short films, it's, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. That has inspired my film work so much. Yeah. You know, one thing I like about you, JD, on your on your channel and on social media is I really love and admire how you don't hesitate to call out what you see as poor decisions by the Michael Jackson estate. Oh, wow. There's a lot of fans out there who seem very, very hesitant to do that. Like we, Yeah, it's, they're it's, sitting it's, on the fence. They're it, fence sitters, I'm going to say it. Yeah, and it's it, the thing is like we see that really clearly because when we put a controversial tweet out, that really shouldn't be controversial, but like when we put a, a thing out like um, criticizing the estate, it's very clear to us who is and who isn't critical because we get a lot of retweets without you know sounding you know obnoxious, but you know we get retweets on what we say and you know we'll put a tweet out just praising Michael Jackson, we'll get like 
a bunch of retweets and then we put out one that's critical and it's very obvious who chooses not to retweet those things. And one thing that I really value about you is that you don't sit on the fence. You say it like it is. And um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to congratulate you on, on, on having that bold stance and honoring truth. Yeah, I'll never forget. Uh, the first time I actually talked to you guys was after I made the video about the cartoon. I watched that and cringe, but where, where I like freak out and that and the same thing with Scream, I, I just I can't watch that stuff anymore. But just stuff like I've never think I, I don't think I've ever gotten a pro estate comment defending them at all. Really? I, I Not that I remember. And I imagine your demographic is well, I would be guessing like quite a young demographic, like YouTube watches. Kind of, yeah. And then I talk to people of all, all different ages. I mean, there are some that I'll be like, what does this kid know about history? But uh, stuff like that. Yeah, there there are a lot of teen fans that I talk to, but I also talk to the 30-year-olds 30 and stuff like that on Instagram DMs. and It's just cool how the Michael fandom doesn't really have an age. That is true. That is absolutely true. Uh, he appeals to people of all ages and, and ethnicities and types of people, which is which is very awesome. What do you think about the way the fan community is right now? So it's clearly split and divided and there's all kinds of controversy and, and sections and fragments. But do you think things are getting better or do you think things are getting worse? One story that I, I, I did a series a while back where I ranked tracks on Michael's albums. I arranged the track list, which ones I like more and less. And I'd honestly received death threats for putting Smooth Criminal at number seven. There's a lot of fighting, and I people need to be more understanding of others' opinions. I don't like the song Smooth Criminal. I love the video, but the song Smooth Criminal is not one of my favorite. And I, I think we just could appreciate people's opinions a lot more without calling them out. Like me and, and Charlie were talking and people jumped in because we said the history tour was bad. And I got notifications for the next two days of people defending the history tour and calling names and stuff. It's just so not needed. And then to, then, then people call out my age and stuff. And it's just it's not it's not needed to have a, a normal discussion. You said that the um, Beatles um, come together is better than Michael Jackson's come together. Oh, that man, that backlash. That caused a lot oh, of discussion, didn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That mm, that's probably the most heat I've ever been in. Why do you think they did that? Uh, because some people don't know that other artists than Michael Jackson exist. Yeah, because you're equally as big a Beatles fan as like an MJ fan, really. Like your channel isn't purely a Michael Jackson channel. Yeah, I try to bring and teach more about other people than just Michael because. If you just talk about Michael all the time, eventually you're going to run out of stuff, and it's not not as fun. Well, we, we thought that in series one, and that's not actually the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get people asking me all the time when I'm going to run out of ideas. We, we, we panic sometimes, don't we, Jamin? We're like, yeah. oh, crikey, what are we going to talk about? I know. I mean, like, how many years are we now after his passing? And just in the past two weeks, in 2018, we've had a new documentary about him multiple new book announcements and a Janet performance and all kinds of things. It just isn't slowing down, which is exciting for people that are content creators. I want to ask you a question about, about your age because, you know, you are a younger fan and I, um, 
I want to know how much it like frustrates you if like people discount your opinion because of your age. Does that is that something you often come up against or? Oh my god, all the time. I I, I am 15 years old and I'm I whoa I'm t- exclusive exclusive <laughs> exposed. I, exposed. I I I've, I've spent that 15 years watching stuff like Saved by the Bell and Full House and stuff like that. I've grown up with that stuff and I've just researched it in my spare time because anybody that knows me know I can only talk about Michael and the Beatles and stuff. So when I, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's how much research that you put into it. And I like to think I do my fair share. The first time I um, actually ever heard about you was when, cause you obviously know that the Casio tracks is something that we are like mega passionate about. <laughs> you oh, may have yeah. picked that up. <laughs> I, oh, that video. Oh God. Yeah. That's, Oh that was, one of the first History in the Mix episodes. Somebody linked me to that. I think it was Damien, actually, because, you know, he's writing his book about the Casio songs. And he linked me to the video. And I was like, I, Q and I went back and forth for a couple of days on how to, because I was like, I wanted to let you know that there was a couple of things in the video that, like, may not be true. and So it, misinformed. It's Don't worry. It's, we've done similar things. But, like, we, um, I didn't want to reach out to you and be like, hey, this was, like, wrong and everything I, I sort of wanted to frame it in a way that was like keep doing your awesome videos but there's just these couple of things that weren't right and the way that you yep. responded to that was different to most other people we talk to most i would say 90 percent of people q correct me if i'm wrong but most people would just blacklist us that's the thing in oh, the michael yeah. community as soon as you challenge somebody you're on their blacklist they don't they don't retweet you anymore but the way you they handled it was you, different. They won't talk to you. They'll ban you from being discussed on their forum or page or, yeah, we've been blacklisted. You actually took the video down out of respect for the truth and then yep. you did it better in the future. And I think that's a huge credit to you that you are gracious and um, don't blacklist people really if you got something wrong. So props to you for that attitude. Thank you. I think um, – I feel a bit protective of you, JD, like a like a bigger brother in a way, like because yeah, you're you're younger, you're like 15, um, which I didn't know until just then. I just knew you were you know teenager, and you're you're so passionate and you you really love Michael's music and the art and other cool stuff as well, and you put these great videos together, which is not. Uh, easy thing that I can imagine doing. And I think that I see a bit of my younger fan self in you and I can identify with that. Like back when I was your age, we didn't have YouTube and stuff, but I really think that if we did, I probably would have been considering doing something just like you're doing. I would have been making fan videos. I would have been, you know, ranking songs on albums that are my favorites and you know talking about you know bad things like the what the estate are doing and and all that bs as well so i and i remember talking to my friend um tj tabloid junk about this that i really can i put can put myself in that position but i'm in a different time we never had that sort of outlet at all so I, if, if I see people like bullying you, I get really angry. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's that time. 
<laughs> but um, it's uh, you know, that's I think that's what we need to do though with fans is like when we see people being bullied and treated poorly, and especially when it's to promote something that's not true. I think it's really important that we stand up for each other because it goes on. Bullying goes on in the community and exclusion. That's the thing. Bullying isn't always like you're an asshole, you know, explicitly on Twitter. It's, it's excluding others is a form of bullying as well. Very true. I want to ask about like where your channel's going. So like you do a lot of um, reflective videos and commentary on different things in the, in, in the Michael world. And one of the most memorable from your recent, series really is the the uh uh the truth around what was going on in the you rock my world video which is one of my favorite videos you've ever done it reminded me a lot of the one that tj did yes yeah absolutely as you move forward with your channel how is it going to evolve are you are you going to be potentially in the future doing things like interviews with collaborators or where do you see your channel in two three years that that's the goal. Uh, the thing with history in the mix is I like to make it a mix. Uh, when I started the channel, it was not going to be about Michael. It was just going to be about what I wanted to talk about. The first episode was about Michael, but there's like uh, a, a, the second ever episode I ever made was about Jim Carrey and an Ace Ventura reboot. It just it was supposed to be about everything, and it kind of went into a Michael hole. And I'd love to branch out, maybe talk about more Beatles stuff or more Queen stuff, and. But but when it comes to just Michael, I would love to start interviewing people, and I, I I like where I am right now. So what's your um, what's your thought process and reasoning about having a channel with lots of different things on it? Do you ever get people come to you and say, hey, you'd, it'd be better if your channel was just Michael and you did another channel for your other stuff, or like, do you get that sort of feedback? I like I personally like it how your channel is like all different stuff because you're you're the star of the show and you like lots of different things. But do you get feedback from people who are like, hey, I don't like the Beatles ones or I don't like the ones about other stuff? All the time. Uh, even the, the new intro that I put in the videos where it starts up with the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, and it's Michael, and it's just kind of like a cluster of things I like. The, I remember the first video I put that in, I got people saying that there was way too much Beatles and that it just it was too off-center. And I, I kept it because I, I liked it and I worked really hard on it. And I, I think it really encompasses the show. I like how you've got a range of different things because if it's something I want to watch, I'll be interested and I'll watch it. And if it's something like I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, so I w- might not watch all of those, but I like that you've got other stuff because yep. here's a hot tip for free fans. You can actually love other things other than Michael Jackson. <laughs> you really More can. More artists exist. Yeah, more artists exist, more passions that you can, more hobbies and things like that. It, your whole 100% of your life does not need to revolve around Michael Jackson. And your appreciation of Michael often becomes more rich uh, when you understand pop culture around him and things that influenced him and he appreciated. Hugely, hugely so. Like, and And when... Your passion with Michael then crosses the streams, so to speak, with, um, you know, other passions in your life like, you know, you and and Back to the Future. Um, And I've got something in my Find of the Week coming up, which, you know, it's two, two worlds colliding. Those little moments are amazing. 
Um, JD, what sort of YouTube channels do you like to watch? What inspires you? There's this one YouTuber that I love. Uh, it's called uh, Nostalgia Critic, and that he, I, he, if you guys watch one of his videos, it, it, it's basically so much like me, and I take a lot uh, inspiration-wise from him. I, he does movie reviews, kind of like my commentaries over them. He'll he'll talk about them and stuff like that. Laura, who you guys have had on the show, I, I yeah, watching her. I don't really watch videos a lot on YouTube. It's more of podcasts like you guys and Jenkins from Moonwalk Talks and just uh, other Beatles podcasts and stuff. I just I love to learn, and there's not from at least from what I see on YouTube, there's not a lot of learning more than there is. Hey, this is what I uh, ate today. <laughs> Are you going to start a podcast? Are you going to steal all our listeners and start your own podcast? Not in the near future. I, I, I love film. I, 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 it has to be films. Cool. You want to go to film school? Oh, yeah. I already have one uh, that I'm, I'm looking at. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. The same one uh, Robert Zemeckis went to, the director of Back to the Future. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Amazing. Great, great stuff. Cool. Um, where do people find you online? If people want to watch your videos, follow your social media. YouTube.com slash history in the mix. And then on Twitter and Instagram, mixing history because history in the mix was taken. Ah, oh, bugger. <laughs> Damn it. I hate when that happens. And the accounts aren't even active. The last tweet was from 2014. God damn it. Can you contact those people off. and say, Hey, get off, get off. To, to, I want well, if that. they're not tweeting for if they're not tweeting for four years, they're not going to come and check their mentions or their DMs.
song of pain breathe across the land. And how many children have to die before we stand to lend the healing hand? Everybody sing. author of the MJ 101 series, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. All right, let's now also cut to Stephen Hodges, our charity correspondent, who's going to tell us a little bit about some of the great charity initiatives that are going on around the world at the moment. Thanks, guys. And hi, everyone. Your charity correspondent, Stephen, here with a quick little update about an MJ 60th birthday tribute and an update regarding the Michael Jackson monthly giving project. As you should all know, there is a special anniversary date on the 29th of August this year, which is Michael's 60th birthday, so we wanted to do a tribute and at the same time raise awareness of our MJ-inspired charity and others. This is something that we don't believe has ever been attempted before, and we are starting to think that there might be a reason for that. With the help of seven other MJ fans, groups and charities, there is something in the pipeline that on one side I'm really excited about, but at the same time very nervous about. We are going to attempt to send seven Moonwalk by Michael Jackson books around the world to spread the words of Michael. One to each continent. So that's Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, North America, South America, and of course, Antarctica, which I'm still not sure how we're going to pull off. The idea is to leave them for another member of the public to find, pick up, read, leave for someone else, and then log. The first drop being on the 29th of August, 2018. Fans will be able to track the book journeys by keeping an eye on our website or by simply searching for the hashtag of Moonwalk Walks on Twitter. We're currently looking for seven sponsors of the books. A sponsor's responsibility will be to accept the book that is delivered to them, read it if they wish, and then write their own messages in the space provided inside. 
They then need to drop the book off somewhere interesting, or even better, somewhere connected to MJ in some way, and take a photo of it at their chosen location. They then need to upload it on the 29th of August. This book can then be picked up by someone else and hopefully left and logged again when they are finished. We have our first sponsors of book number four, which will be none other than the MJ cast. The MJ cast will of course be covering Australia, and I would like to thank Q for volunteering Jamin to drop off and photograph the Australia book somewhere awesome in Brisbane. We can't wait to see the start of book four's journey in Oz. So that leaves us with six more book sponsors to find. We are looking into various contacts, but for the moment we really need help with Africa book one, Antarctica book two, and Asia book three. If you live in any of these countries or know a fan group that does, please get in contact with me via the website to see if you can help. Obviously Antarctica is going to be the most tricky, but we have a few ideas floating around to do that one. We are really excited about this tribute, and only time will tell if it is a success. Either way, we hope it will be lots of fun for all those involved. I also want to give you an update on the Michael Jackson Monthly Giving Project. Last month in May, we raised over US dollars for our animal and environmental theme, plastic reduction and education. This money was raised by 44 monthly donors in our project, all of which after transaction fees will be given to the charity that our monthly donors voted for throughout April, which was Plastic Oceans. Plastic Oceans are trying to tackle the global plastic pollution problem by educating and engaging everyone in the conversation to rethink plastic. Plastic Oceans is working to change the way we all deal with plastic waste by challenging our perception that this indestructible substance can be treated as disposable. For June, however, our monthly donors have just finished voting out of three shortlisted charities as part of our June theme, which would be education and research. The MJ Carson MJFFC are proud to announce that the charity with the most votes was the United Negro College Fund, or UNCF. UNCF do various things but have also helped more than 450,000 US students earn their college degrees since they were established. UNCF was shortlisted due to its previous support by none other than Michael Jackson himself, so we are very happy that this charity was chosen by our members. If you would like to contribute to UNCF directly, you can do so at uncf.org, or if you would prefer to contribute to them as an MJ fan group in tribute to Michael, you can join our project monthly or contribute a one-time donation via our website. I do hope we can raise even more money than last month for this great charity. We are still in the process of shortlisting and choosing a theme for our July donation. As many of you already know, the theme and charities change every month and we welcome any suggested charities that our supporters would like to put forward for consideration. You can do this via the website or by contacting us via any of our social networks. Thanks again to the support of the MJ cast. We're hoping to drive up our £1 monthly donors as much as possible and are currently sitting on 44, so we're looking forward to breaking the all-important milestone of 50. Even better would be to break the 60 barrier in time for Michael's 60th birthday in August. You can join our Michael Jackson tribute project for just one British pound per month and all other currencies are accepted. We can really do great things in memory of Michael and I can't wait to welcome more of you on board. To sign up, just visit our website at mjffc.org and hit the join button. Thanks for listening everyone and we hope you can join in with us with these tributes as it really does make a difference. Please feel free to contact me in the usual ways and please do keep making that change. Thank you so much, Stephen. That was awesome. We love getting updates from you about how Michael fans all around the world can help out these great causes. Thank you. JD, we usually do a little segment, as you know, called Finds of the Week. Did you want to go first or last sharing your Find of the Week for our listeners? I'll, I'll, I'll go first. 
yeah, cool. And this is a surprise. It's not listed here, so we don't even know what this is going to be. Uh, it's a uh, mashup. Uh, it's called Rhythm on the Dance Floor. It's a mashup between Janet and Michael, Rhythm Nation, and Blood on the Dance Floor. It was uploaded on YouTube. Uh, Michael Jackson fan five two three. I don't know if they made it, but that's the video I'm currently looking at. It's such a good mix. It sounds like an official track. The <gasps> it's just two random songs that like I never thought would go together, but they go together really, really well. I am so excited! Oh my god, I love <laughs> good mashups and good mixes and stuff. Oh my god, wish I'd known this. We could have played it in the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it. It might end up in, um, who knows, maybe we can play it in a future episode and then it might end up in the um, season four mixtape. Hell yes. Hell yes. Oh, man, that's awesome find of the week. I'm so excited about that. Very cool. Send us the link to that when you get a chance. Heck yes. Bonus points because it's a mashup. (laughs) 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 Do you want to go next, Jay Eamon? Sure, yeah. So I've got a find of the week too. Uh, I have recently been rereading a book called Michael Jackson Conspiracy. Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the show. Um, like I said, our next episode of the MJ cast is going to be another special episode. It's coming out uh, June 13th. In um, uh, The purpose of it, of course, is to educate fans on Michael Jackson's innocence. Uh, it's another Vindication Day episode in the series where we've done Tom Mesro and Scott Ross and, and um, simulcast with uh, Reason Bound. So our next episode is with Aphrodite Jones, journalist and author from the United States. She was critical of Michael Jackson when she covered the uh, Michael Jackson trial in the mid-2000s and then wrote a book called Michael Jackson Conspiracy in which she discusses... Um, the testimony that happened during the trial and and debunks a lot of it and talks about Michael's innocence and um, even delves a little bit into the media conspiracy um, at that point really where media were highly biased uh, around Michael Jackson. So the reason I wanted to include it as a find of the week is because it's actually a really good book and I haven't read it in years, but I I reread it to interview her. So if you um, are looking for a little bit of uh, reading uh, or a new book to read, if you haven't read it over the next couple of weeks leading up to Vindication Day, I highly recommend that you delve into Michael Jackson's conspiracy. Uh, You can grab it on Book Depository, Amazon, iBooks, have a read of it. It's probably the best literary uh, analysis and recount of the Michael Jackson trial ever. Uh, It is the best book on the Michael Jackson trial ever written. Have a read of it. Learn about the trial in depth. And then in our next episode of the MJ cast, you'll be able to hear an interview with the author of that book, Aphrodite Jones. And that's my find of the week. Now, Aphrodite is planning on doing an updated or a sort of a, a re-release soon. Is that correct? Correct. She wanted to drop that as an exclusive in our next episode, uh, which well, she did. Well, then you can but cut that out. Yeah. So you can cut that out. <laughs> the problem is that, that, that it, um, <laughs> the, the episode's going to drop after her reissue comes out. So her plans are within the next few weeks before Vindication Day to actually re-release Michael Jackson Conspiracy as a new version uh, and there's not going to be much changed in the text of the book, but it will have never-before-seen color photos 
of Neverland within the book. And from what I understand, I, I have to go back and re-listen to this portion of the interview. I, I must admit that when I was listening to this, I I didn't. I had a really bad cold um, at the time when I recorded it, and I was a little bit hazy um, when she was mentioning this bit. But from memory, I think she says that those photographs are from the police raid of Neverland. So there's some really historic primary source color images of of Neverland from the police raid that are actually going to be included in this reissue of the book. So um, yeah, grab a copy. Which have since been. Which have since been destroyed, I believe she said. Yeah. Also, yeah, she said something about going back to the court to see if she could get the the photographs or something, and they had destroyed them. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a read of the book, enjoy the interview. That's my find of the week. Well, I have a find of the week, and it is something that I was not expecting. One day, I was um in a food court having lunch, listening to a podcast episode, and then those random Michael moments that happen. Episode 39 of the Retro WDW podcast, Retro Walt Disney World podcast, uh, which is one of my fave historical Walt Disney World Resort podcasts, featured the host Brian giving us the history of the Michael Jackson suite, which was at the Hotel Royal Plaza which is on Walt Disney World property. It's not an official Walt Disney World hotel. Uh, It's on Hotel Plaza Boulevard, which was actually the title of the podcast episode. But it's like one of the hotels on property. And in the 80s, Michael Jackson had a suite there that he helped decorate and the hotel was working with Michael and they put this suite together and Michael used to stay there and other fans of Michael could stay there when he wasn't staying there. And it's just, it was such a cool thing completely out of the blue that I was not expecting in this episode because I didn't really know hell of a lot about it. I know that I had read about it over at MJ, MJ fangirl blog, who wrote an article on it, I think, late last year. But it was just such a cool thing for me, you know, those two worlds colliding, my passions, you know, Michael Jackson and Disney parks and the history of them, and then this little segment on this episode about the Michael Jackson hotel suite. Very cool. I need to go and listen to that. That sounds awesome. I had no idea that Michael helped decorate a particular suite. Is the suite still there? Can you go and stay in it? No, it's not there anymore. Okay, okay. No. Very cool, though. And so have you got some photos of that suite, Q, that we can maybe share? Or um, I would say there would be photos over in the MJ Fangirl blog article. Right, right. She, I'm pretty sure um, the girl over there put photos in her article. So I will try and find that for you. Awesome. All righty. Well, there's our finds of the week. Nice one. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to hear yours, JD. Thanks. Yeah, that's going to be good. <laughs> All right. Well, um, listen, we uh, we have some thank yous that we want to give as well. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. Over on the book of the face, I want to say thank you to, to Obi-Wan, Claire Shearer, Judith Destashenko. We hope that we've made your housework time pass quickly for you again. And um, a special shout out 
to an Aussie Facebook page, actually, the Thrill the World Geelong Facebook page. Check that out if you live in that area. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. Artist and New York mega fan Gaston Franco, coolest name ever, um, a, a huge fan and I love how he is so artistic. Like he, he's an artist and a visual artist and he's just a great guy. So shout he's out. The, um, he's the cruise guy, isn't he? He Yes, fingers in all of the pies in the New York fan community for yeah, sure. He, he's the one that does those cruises. You can go on his cruises and they're like Michael-themed cruises and you get to – they have dance competitions and, and film screenings and, yeah, very cool. I haven't got any Twitter thank yous, but like my list, if I did, would be huge. I've had such amazing interactions with fans this week. Um, I have finally learned how to mute conversations that I'm not involved in, which was a great lesson. Thank you, Carly, for teaching me that. <laughs> now we don't have oh, to damn. rage at everybody all the time. <laughs> I'm going to mute it too. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, that's always a good thing to know how to do. Um, but uh, so all the Twitter followers that I've had, terrific interactions with thank you so much it's been a really good week for that but instagram i've got some special thank yous and shout outs i would like to make over on instagram at applehead underscore legacy over in oslo in norway how amazing that people even listen to the show in these amazing faraway countries thank you so much for that lovely post letting other um mj fam know um uh, what you love about our, our podcast. I really, truly appreciate that. So um, Applehead underscore Legacy and Carl and Ness, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it and um, all that you do for for Michael on um, as a fan as well. Really appreciate it and appreciate your support so much. And just one email out of the few that we got, I wanted to say uh, living in Hong Kong from the Philippines Yen Soriano, thank you so much for your recent email and anyone else that emails in, but special shout out to Yen. Um, I want to give a big thank you as well, not to anyone in particular, but all of the wonderful people and listeners around the world who have uh, given feedback for the Brian Loren episode. Uh, a lot of people said it's, uh, you know, it was an incredibly interesting listen and they gave me a lot of good feedback around the way the interview was conducted. So I thank you very much for listening and giving feedback and I've taken all I've learned from that interview and others and hope to continue doing good interviews in the future with Michael collaborators. So thank you for listening to that and engaging with us on social media. Absolutely. JD, I want to say thank you for all you do. Oh, it, no problem. I hope you weren't too nervous. We're just guys hanging out. Yep. And uh, maybe you'll come back one day. <laughs> yep. That's, but let, let's hope. I hope so. That'll be cool. Um, but thank you for your great YouTube channel. Uh, thank you for your passion. It's really something that I love, and it's so good that it's out there. Thank you guys for the show. I, I, I love the show so much. Oh, thanks, man. And thanks for letting us appear on um, your your this episode sort of little accompanying video that you're going to make on your channel as well. Yep. Awesome. All right. Is there anything you want to say? We're going to sign off, JD. I, uh, I, I kind of wanted to give a shout out. Uh, I, I have a, a girlfriend that's a very big Michael Jackson fan who I'm trying to get to watch the show. 
So I, I just want to say hi, hi Anna. Please don't be mad at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Hi Anna. Hi Anna. Oh. <laughs> Anna, are you okay? I do are you that okay, all the time. Anna? Yeah. I had first aid training for work this week. We had our aviation first aid course and security course with like, you know, the ninja chopping and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, we did the uh, resuscitation mannequin, Annie, or we were doing that. And I was like, mm-hmm. Actually, I haven't put that photo up. I'll put that photo up before this episode comes out. So people will have seen what I am talking about. Link to the Vincent episode in that. I think that's where he tells the story, isn't it? About... Probably Vincent episode. I'll just take that note. <laughs> Done. All right. Well, um, yeah, we've had three people on the line. So sorry for any crazy noises that you're hearing and quality might be a bit different to normal. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. JD, have you got a tagline that you sign off with that you want to use over here? Make that change. Done. For me, thanks for tuning in. Michael on. We'll see you guys back here in a fortnight's time. We've got two special episodes coming out in June for Vindication Day and the um, anniversary of Michael's passing at the end of the month. And then we'll be back in July with regular programming. Um, Until then, keep Michaeling. JD, yep. Robert Zemeckis, is he like your, your favorite director? Yeah. I got he, a few, Steven Spielberg. Of course, yeah. He, um, Robert, did, he directed my favorite, my number one film of all time, which is like everyone's worst film of all time, but it's like my number one. It was the Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey film Contact. It's a great movie. You like it too, Jamin. Dude, that's like my favorite, well, maybe not my favorite sci-fi movie, but it's like in my top five. It's Oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one. No, it's got really good reviews, man. That's like, hang on, let me go to Rotten Tomatoes. I'm pretty sure that's like critically lauded. Yeah, it's... uh, Critically, maybe critically, but not people's views. Um, the book, it's based on a book, but written by Carl Sagan, who's like one of the... Yes, and I have a first edition of that book, hardcover first edition of that book. Oh, my wow. God. I found that in a secondhand shop, and I nearly died. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, he just the direction of it is... He, it's just, for me, It's a. it's got everything I love in films, like, you know, political stuff, science fiction stuff. You know, yeah, there's a bit of a love story and some humor it's just got everything pretty much that i love in film it's all in this and it's the story yeah based on the book by carl sagan you know mega genius it's just oh my god the visuals everything it's beautiful some of the camera shots and 
some really cool special features, like sort of making of stuff. Um, and a soundtrack, oh, my Lord, the soundtrack, the, the instrumental score of it is just phenomenal. But, yeah, there's Alan, nothing Alan I don't Sil- love. It's yes, Alan Silvestri. Did the, did the music for Back to the Future. Well, there you go. You, you, yeah, now I got to watch All it. around. It's, I love this film. It's literally my number one film. I can just watch it. I love it because it's like, um, in a way, it's like a microcosm for like the the overall debate that goes on in the world around you know science versus religion. It's mm-hmm. that whole debate and also condensed. Te- also, technology, mm, mm. the role of technology in our lives as well. You know, because yeah. this film plays through technology. You know, TV screens and video cameras, like you know, closed circuit security cameras, and and then you know, obviously, you know the um, astronomical antennas and stuff like that. It also has a lot of commentary about technology. And they did some, I was one of the, it caused a bit of controversy. They used footage from like actual news events with presidents and announcements, scientific announcements, and they've edited it into this film. And it did cause a little bit of controversy at the time because there wasn't really a lot of films doing that back then. Is it similar to uh, the Truman Show? Jim no. Carrey's? Mm, in no. tone, maybe. No. A little bit of the tone of it, but not really. It's a very serious film. Yeah. Okay. I would compare it, if I had to compare it to anything, probably... What's that movie that came out recently about the aliens? They, like, land on the planet and then people are, like, Arrival. going... Arrival. I, I sort was of like Arrival oh, yeah. when that, they were talking through this, they were yes. speaking through like the smoke language. Yeah, that Amy to Adams, me, Jeremy Renner. If yeah. I had to compare Contact to any film I've seen, it reminds me of that, but okay. a lot more of a human side to it. Like you really get invested in the characters and their motivations in it. So, yeah. Don't expect there to be aliens in this movie. That's all I'm saying. I think that's what a lot of people expected. Maybe they marketed it a certain way back then and people. We're expecting that. And I think there was also some Charlie Sheen sort of film at the same time, which was more geared towards that. This is more a science factual kind of movie really than science fiction. But, oh, my God, just, yeah, when you said that director's name, I was like, oh, I have to mention that. Maybe this is the post show. I don't know. Well, actually, you know what? I just realized we forgot JD to ask JD, which is like criminal because like how much he's explained he loves film. Like we haven't asked yeah. him about um, his favorite. We didn't ask him his favorite Michael Jackson short film. That was in the little list. I think we said we did song, we did album tour. I don't remember asking about short film. Did we, JD? No, I don't think I didn't. said a certain film. I, I just listed them all. I didn't say a certain film. All right. What are your favorite films? Remember the time. Just the Ooh, set design nice. and the lighting and the effects. It just... Uh, I, I know it, a lot of people don't, but You Rock My World, I also think, is really well shot. I know a lot of people think don't think that at all, but uh, I, I love that because I, I love Chris Tucker, too. Rush Hour is a great trilogy. Yeah. And then Say, Say, Say. I, I, I got to put Say, Say, Say in there. I think you've got some good choices there. Hey, there's an idea. Chris Tucker. Why doesn't everyone reach out to Chris Tucker and tell him, would you come on the MJ cast <laughs> and <'Cause>... share some... <laughs> stories cause, yeah because like, that works so well with those, jackie <laughs> we're still good we're trying man we're trying but no it did work well a lot of people tagged jackie and asked tagged so or spammed people 
No, they didn't spam. People, <laughs> tag Chris Tucker, JD. You should get people to do that too and say, go and chat to the guys over at MJ Cast because I think that would be our most hilarious and such a positive oh, yeah. episode ever. Yeah. So there's everyone's mission for the next couple of weeks. Go or whenever you listen to this, there's no time limit on this, by the way. Keep keep adding it, Jackie, and and anyone else that you would like to hear on the show. So in thirty Shana. years' time, when someone's listening to yeah. this episode, <laughs> well, if maybe we've already had those people on by then, who knows if we're who that knows. lucky? But yeah, go and tag Mr. Chris Tucker and say there's this awesome podcast and. Uh, it, be awesome to hear your stories. The MJ Cast.